there was a, uh, a popular commercial out, and this commercial uh, had a couple of different scenes. The first scene was of a little girl, and this uh, little girl had uh, a sparkly tiara on. Her tiara looked really cute, and then she had on some uh, little colorful leggings, and she was at this little bitty, little bitty table for like a little kindergarten, little bitty table. And uh, then she, she sets out a, a tea saucer. She puts a cup on top of the saucer. And she looks, she looks across the room. Then the screen pans from her little cute self to a, a big burly man. And the burly man is just sitting there with his face like, then it pans back to her. Now you see the tiara, the tiara, you see the table, you see the, the little saucer and the cup, and now you see she stands up and she has on a little tutu. She's got a little silver wand. And then she points. And it shifts from her looking cute at this little table to zooming in on, on this man's face. And he's got this kind of a scowl. Then it backs up, and as the camera backs up, you see a father with a tutu doing a pirouette for his daughter. Then he goes and sits down at the table and has tea to make his little daughter's day. For his friends that are riding by, looking through the living room window, he looks like a fool. Look kind of crazy, don't he? But for what he was planning to, to invest in his daughter, the joy that he was bringing to her, the, the date that he had, that tea date, oh man, whatever was taking place didn't matter. He was willing to be a fool for his baby. Today we're going to talk about some foolish fathers. Today we're going to talk about fathers that are willing to look a little foolish for the sake of the kingdom. Today we're talking about foolish fathers. Would you turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 4? 1 Corinthians chapter 4. About the 7th, 7th or 8th book in the New Testament. 1 Corinthians chapter 4. We're going to dive in a little bit and see some of the the foolishness the Lord looks for. We're going to start with verses 15 and 16. And I usually don't do this. I usually don't jump out of order. And then we're going to jump back up to 6 and come on down. I usually like to stay just in the whole text. But, but there's something that kicks it off so you can understand why this is particular to fathers. We're in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, starting at verse 15. It says, for though you have countless guides in Christ, you do not have many fathers. For I became your father in Christ Jesus through the gospel. I urge you then be imitators of me. This is a, a, a culture where, where Paul has now invested in this church in Corinth and he's helped kick this church off. This church is, is present and people are growing and starting to love Jesus because of Paul. And Paul is like, wait, wait, wait. 
You had some folks maybe kind of be Jesus-like, but you haven't had the investment of a true father. And so I will step in and I will fill that gap. I will be that, that leader in your family. I will be that, that, that figure to invest in you. I will be the one to help build up your faith. I will be the one to give you a standard to shoot for that you can see with your own eyes. Imitate me as I imitate Christ. We need to recognize that Paul starts off here because there's a deficit. There's a lack of father, there's a lack of a fatherly presence in this community that he's just started. The fathers are not there investing as of yet. So he steps in that gap and invests. And that gap then is similar to a gap we have now. You do research, they say that one in four homes does not have a father. I, 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 that, that, that was like astounding to me. I went back and double checked. It was like, yeah, this study started in 1967 and the most recent edition of the study was 2019. One in four without a biological step or adoptive father in the home. It says today that, that families are affected like this. You're four times greater risk of poverty when a father's not in the home, more likely to have behavioral problems, two times greater risk of infant mortality, more likely for prison, seven times more likely to become pregnant as a teen, uh, two times more likely to have suffer, deal with obesity, alcoholism. The, the list just keeps rolling. There's a gap. And Paul steps in this gap. But the reason why Paul is stepping in this gap isn't to just build himself up. And I know the mamas are here like, well, hold up. I know we, we bring something to the table, too. You know you do. But today, Father's Day. We don't talk, talk about the daddies for the day. So now there's, a, there's this gap that Paul steps in and fills, and he fills this gap because he's ready to have a generational impact. He's ready to see families raised up and lifted up and begin to observe godliness. Notice I said observe. It's one of the reasons why I, I'm, I'm pleading to you that are here, keep coming. And to those that haven't returned, I'm asking you to come back in person at some rhythm. Because you can't observe godliness from a screen. You don't catch character from word of mouth. Character and godliness and, and what it looks like to love well as a father, you've got to see it. You've got to see it. And so it's funny that he walks out. I got a list of men here. Because he's one that I see. I see him carrying a daughter, rubbing his wife's back while they're on a walk through our neighborhood. Fatherhood. I see men step up and watch as a child gets ready to run into the street, and it ain't even their child, but they're grabbing them when we're having events. 
I see fathers. Teach me and show me what it looks like to walk with a child that is acting bone crazy, doing exactly the opposite that you want him to do. But yet you love him. I've listened to Herb tell me the ups and downs of, of parenting. See, see, I'm in the I'm in the junior stage. Herb got some grown ones. He done taught, he done came around the corner a couple times. See, there's fathering that you gotta learn by observing. That you gotta see it happen. And Paul is saying, I'm gonna step in the gap. I'm gonna be a father to you so that spiritually you can then go out and walk in this godliness that your children will see and see and see and see. You wanna say, how is Mac trying to trying to fight some things? What are we committed to, man? I'm I'm committed. To, to chopping down that seven times more likely to be pregnant as a teen. How are we going to fight that? By seeing healthy homes take place within our church. How are we going to fight all these brothers that's at the liquor store before I get to work, they there. When I leave after work, they still hanging out. And hey, I ain't got nothing against them. They're not evil people, but that's where they hang. Why? Because because of the activity that comes through there, but also because they love liquor. Liquor is soothing some of the pain. How do I help help some of these families not depend on alcoholism? It's through being whole in Christ, through having some fathers at the table, modeling godliness. So Paul gives us some tips. He says, brothers, here's a few things I want you to know I'm going to show you. I'm going to model. Here's a few things, because I got men in the room. Y'all are the men that I'm grateful for. Y'all are fathering. But I'm not a father. Yes, you are. You establish a place of safety for families here. Yes, you are. You want to see others flourish. Yes, you are. And so we are grateful for every man that has a fatherly lens, but let's make sure it's Christ-like, amen? Because I'm thankful for those that are here, but we got to reach some that are not. Let's continue. Go to verse 6. We're still in 1 Corinthians chapter 4. Verse 6 says, I have applied all these things to myself and Apollos for your benefit, brothers, that you may learn by us not to go beyond what is written, that none of you may be puffed up in favor of one against another. That you won't be puffed up. This is a, this is a, it's a play on words. It's basically saying, hey, don't, don't start getting arrogant and start getting all caught up in your feelings, and now you allow your feelings to dictate your life. Be, 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 be careful be careful not to start letting your feelings and your pride puff you up and you start naming who's the bomb and who you roll with. See, what was happening here was some people were saying, hey, I roll with Apollos. And if I'm riding with Apollos, we are the dopest over here. And some were like, no, 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 Apollos, who is he? We ride with Paul. Paul is our guy. And you started having beefing in the Christian circles based on people name dropping. You ever know somebody that be name dropping? They're like, yeah, you know, when I was hanging with Kanye the other day, I said, Kanye, I said, hey, 
I didn't mean it. You know, we just boys. I was here. But see, when, when, you, when you got a name drop, what you're really doing is building up yourself. You're really puffing up your pride to say, this is the kind of echelon that I roll in. Paul's saying, you ain't got to puff up. You don't have to name call. You know what? I'm going to put both of us on the same level, Paul and Apollos. Now which one you going to pick? Both of us godly. What? You don't have to puff up your name. Follow. I was listening to, uh, we, we was blessed to take the, um, take the, uh, the youth to a uh, concert last night. Uh, Kirk Franklin was in the house in Maverick City. <laughs> Boy, I'm telling y'all, what song was that? I don't, that wasn't no Kirk Franklin song. Anyway, we was jamming. Yes, that, I'm, I'm like pastor tired in a mug up here. But, but we, got our, we got our praise on last night. The youth had a great time. Thank you to Alex uh, for leading. Uh, awesome dude. Um, but, but one of the guys said, and he was a, 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 a really well-known worship leader. Uh, and has a father that's really well known. He said that uh, that he he was at a point in his life where uh, he had just had a, a a really bad relationship. He was uh, broken up from an engagement. Um, had a lot of bad things happening in his life. And at what he felt like was the worst, the next day he was supposed to go and sing for all these people. Supposed to go sing about Jesus' faithfulness. And he said he was struggling to do it, and his dad sat him down and basically said, Son, your feelings have an impact, and they're important, but they can't rule you. God's word is what sustains you. It is what is your foundation. It is what has to be your driving force. It is what must be your vision, your target, your moving factor, how you operate and live out your life cannot be based on your feelings, feeling puffed up. It's got to be based on who God is. And so some, some scriptures, family, men, fathers, to, to, to hold on to. Deuteronomy 31, 6 says, Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. Them who? Them anything that would lead you to live in a life of fear. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you or forsake you. Never leave you. Brothers, you are never alone. Proverbs 17, 9. Whoever would foster love covers an offense. You got that? That you as men, you as fathers, get to enter into an environment, and instead of adding more drama to it, you get to help cover it with love. But whoever repeats the matter separates close friends. It's like saying, or <laughs> you can have a tongue that creates division. Fathers. What way do we love and set and model in our homes? Continue with me in verse 7. For who sees anything different in you? What do you have that you did not receive? If then you received it, why do you boast as if you did not receive it? Already you have all you want. Already you have become rich. Without us you have become kings. And, and would that you did reign so that we might share the rule with you. 
Here, my brother Eugene Peterson, the way he kind of breaks this down from his from his version of the Bible, he basically says, isn't everything you have and everything you are sheer gifts from God? So what's the point of all this comparing and competing? You already have all that you need from God. You already have more access to God than you can possibly handle. So why puff up? Why get a little arrogant? Because pride is an easy way to target a man. Pride is an easy way to, to, to cripple a man's impact. Pride is an easy way to get right under the heart. I, 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 ain't, I ain't too, uh, I mean, I know I, I'm getting a little old and stuff. I can also tell when my family wants something. Ooh, Dad, that shirt look nice on you. Can I have a couple dollars? Ooh, honey, you've you been lifting weights. See, it, it, don't, it don't take much. It don't take much, you know what I'm saying? It don't take, oh, look at your barber. They took care of you today. It don't, it don't take much. And a brother, what you, what you want me to do? What, come on, come get $5. Come on, get some, you know? It don't, it don't take much, but it can go the other way too, right? Where you get arrogant. You expect everybody to see you. You look for people to, to feed this prideful need. You want everybody to know that you're the man in the house, and God is saying no. Oh, I, I, was, I was reading these different articles, and Somebody said, uh, they, the author is unknown, he said, did you hear about the clever salesman who closed hundreds of sales with this one line? Let me show you something several of your neighbors said you could not afford. I mean, let me show you some stuff your neighbor said you just, you can't afford. Getting right to that pride, right? And Paul is saying, don't be manipulated by pride. Don't let that feeling affect you, fathers. I need you to be gospel-centered. I need you to imitate Christ. If you can't see him as clearly as you want, imitate me. I'm going after him. Let's do it together. Continue with me in verse 9. For I think that God has exhibited us apostles as last of all like men sentenced to death, because we have become a spectacle to the world, to angels, and to men. This, 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 this verse is, uh, is Paul trying to set up that it's, it's okay to look bad. He's going to later call himself even something that seems just outlandish, a, a fool. But he's setting up the, the context for, it, for him to be okay to look, to look stupid. See, what would happen is every time a king conquered a place, the king would come through the town. And they, people would shout the king's name, throw roses and flowers to adorn the king. Then behind the king would be all of the treasure that he stole, all of the money. So everybody can see, okay, our kingdom is building up in stature. 
then after the money that he conquered would also maybe be some of the some of the uh, the the previous soldiers that they took advantage of. So maybe they're bringing swords and shields to show you we're stronger than theirs. And then lastly, are people captured? Men. And these men are walking at the very end, and these men are walking to the Colosseum. Because see, in the Colosseum, they're going to be made into a spectacle. They're going to be killed by animals, burned alive, skin pulled off. Oh, sorry, kids. Sorry. Um, crazy stuff. Crazy stuff. And, and Paul is saying, it looks like we're one of these guys just walking to our death because we keep making decisions for Christ that are so counter to the world that the world is saying, man, y'all got captured by that craziness and you're going to let that craziness lead you to death? And Paul is saying, no, 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 wake up. We are the ones that are actively victorious. We may seem like we are missing out on what the world has to offer. We may seem like we're losing to another kingdom. But fathers, no, you walk with your head up. You walk knowing God is with you. You walk knowing that you are victorious, even if it looks like you're headed to your death. Look at me in verse, look with me in verse 10. It says, we are fools. For Christ's sake, but you are wise in Christ. Here we go. Here we go. Here, here's going to be the comparison after comparison to, to what it means to, to be an imitator of Christ, to be a, a father of the Lord. Are you going to be in the, in the worldly way of responding or are you going to walk like God says walk? We are weak, but you are strong. You are held in honor, but we in disrepute disrepute to the present hour we hunger and thirst we are poorly dressed and buffeted and homeless and we labor working with our hands when reviled we bless when persecuted we endure when slandered we entreat who 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 does it look like is winning does it look like the christian the the one that is imitating christ is winning does it look like the culture's winning we have become and still are like scum of the world, the refuse of all things. See, folks are saying, wait a minute now. You're supposed to have God with you, and you're going to let them treat you like this? See, fathers, there is a, a call for us to be Christ-like that is totally contrary to what the world is saying. And Paul is saying, I want you to imitate it model it so where do the babies learn humility they learn it from fathers where do they learn patience where do they learn kindness they learn it from fathers where do they learn long suffering where do they learn love they learn it from fathers i uh i was i was blessed to have two dads my biological father was in and out of my life until later where we got like a, a really strong relationship. And again, I say he's one of my best friends today. Uh, and my biolog my, my stepfather was there for me constantly. Uh, but I, 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 saw, I saw the effects of, of work 
I saw the effects of of life on men. And I'm saying this to beg you, fathers, don't let life steal your fatherhood. What do I mean by that? I mean, you get up, you give work your all, you give your community your all, you give your church your all, you give your extended family your all, you give all these different things your all, and then when you come home, what do they get? Little. The scraps. The fumes. See, we don't want a model there's a Christianity that happens as I leave missionally, but when I come home, y'all will understand. No, that's not fatherhood. That's not fatherhood. Fatherhood is modeling what it looks like to imitate Christ outside the home and inside the home. And so sometimes it looks weak. Sometimes it looks like we're not getting ahead. Sometimes we don't get to do as much stuff as we might want to do. You can't go hoop today because you're going to help at home. Sometimes it looks like home being first. And Paul is constantly trying to help them reorient their minds. Don't get caught up in what you see. Don't get caught up in the names being called. Have your focus on thee. Continue with me. Verse 14. I do not write these things to make you ashamed but to admonish you as my beloved children. Ooh-wee. Paul just be dropping little nuggets. Boop. Fathers, as I imitate Christ, I'm coming to talk to you, but I'm not trying to shame you. And fathers specifically, I need you to understand this. Your tongue has far more weight than you might understand. Remember just hanging out we young kids kicking it on the porch. You know, everybody's just doing life together, laughing. And, and one of the kids, this girl has a, has a crazy loud laugh, right? Ah, hee, hee. It's just a weird laugh. I could just see, like, her dad come out. What you laughing like that for? You think her laugh ever sounded the same ever since? Powerful words. Sometimes it doesn't have to be you're a stupid idiot. Sometimes it can be something subtle that makes you just feel shame. And Paul is trying to show, no, 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 I'm coming. I got to correct you. Y'all are trying to choose sides. Y'all are trying to puff yourself up. No, I have something I have to tell you, but I'm not trying to condemn you. I'm not trying to belittle you. Even in my correction, I'm trying to lift you up what a father does a father doesn't respond to a, a family member or a child out of their insecurity a father says sacrificially I want you to be even better than me so I'm gonna correct you but I want to see this correction happen for your good last few verses y'all come on verse 15 for though 
You have countless gods in Christ. You do not have many fathers, for I became your father in Christ Jesus through the gospel. I urge you then, be imitators of me. That is why I sent you, Timothy, my beloved and faithful child in the Lord, to remind you of my ways in Christ as I teach them everywhere in every church. Some are arrogant, as though I were not coming to you, but I will come to you soon, if the Lord wills, and I will find out not the talk of these arrogant people, but their power. For the kingdom of God does not consist in talk, but in power. And get this in verse 21. What do you wish? Shall I come to you with a rod or with love and a spirit of gentleness? I'm coming how you want it. You can get it either way. But, but, but here's the thing. Because I have that fatherly spirit, I can't ignore your sin. I can't ignore you doing wrong. I'm not just going to look the other way to somebody I love. So as a father, I've got to say something. Now, how is this going to go? The hard way or the easy? Father, this is our responsibility to respond. We have to see development and growth happening and especially in our own children, but also in the children within this family. I, I, would, I pray you would never feel offended. My kids going to hate me for this, but your kids going to hate me for it too. I pray you would never feel offended or scared to come tell me about my children. Amen. I know we in a crazy world. Uh-uh, I know my kid ain't do that. I'm like, what? Tell me. You know why? Because I'm going to tell you. Because we are seeing these children lifted up and raised up together. And there are so many voices out there speaking to me, speaking to them that I need all of your voices in order to help counteract the wave of culture that is coming at them. I need all the fathers in this room to help me raise our children. See, this Father's Day is a day where we celebrate you. And my prayer is that you wouldn't feel like, 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 oh, pastor, you just gave me a, 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 a heavy weight. No, 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 no. What I'm giving you is a simple prescription. Jesus, Paul, us. Jesus, Paul, us. The, the prescription says take two doses of Jesus. And if for some reason that's not hitting hard enough, pop a pill of Paul. That's all it's saying. It's saying, hey, here's some things that if you didn't have a godly father, which the stats say many of us didn't, even if you had a man in the house, doesn't mean he was godly. If you don't even know where to start, I've got some places to start. Don't ignore the kids when they act up. Give them options. Sometimes you got to come with love, daddy. Sometimes you got to come with the rod. Hey, we cannot see our pride get in the way of how we love our kids. Let's love them well, but not out of our insecurity. Hey, Paul is giving us the game plan. Now let's do it together. Let's do it in the fear of the Lord. Let's do it because Christ expects it of us and he empowers us and he followed the will of his father. So I think we can jump in and follow that will as also church family fathers we thank you 
we celebrate you. We are grateful for you. Tell on the kids, Father. Tell on them. (laughs) But walk with them, love them, and model for them. Model for women what they are to expect from a man. Model for men how they are to treat women. Our children learn what what a father's love looks like from what we model. Let's model Christ. In Jesus' name we pray. Lord, we thank you for today. We thank you for every brother here. May we continue to grow as men in you and imitate you more. Look like you more. Reflect you more. May we have the beautiful opportunity to not simply try to be like Paul, but we get to be like one another. Where I'm trying to get a little bit of like Johnny and a little bit like Jonathan and some like Mike and some like Alex and some like Ken. And I'm, and I'm seeing God within all these men. And there's different aspects of who they are that I just want to imitate, Lord. And we just get this imitation fest going on, Lord. We try to all be like you. I thank you, Lord. I also thank you, Lord, for the families that are present. We know that we're able to be the men that you call us to be because the sisters have been such a loving presence and support to us. And so we get to do this as a family. Help us, Lord, in it all. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Family, family, we're going to continue to celebrate Christ. We've got amazing, amazing servants in this room. We are taking communion now. And uh, communion should be near your knees in the pews. Uh, We take communion to remind us of what Christ has accomplished on the cross. And uh, oh, she got me already. Yep, I got, I'm good, Herb. Thank you, brother. Yep, thank you so much. Um, So, yeah, we do this, y'all, to to, to say, okay, Lord, you, you are our everything. And in you, we get a chance to to be reminded of what took place on the cross. We also get a chance to be reminded of what we are a part of, that we get to meet you here during this moment and get our minds reset on a family, on a body, on a kingdom reality that is bigger than what we see. So we take communion, the wafer, and, and if you are, if it's your first time with us and you believe Jesus is your Lord and you've heard me talking about fatherhood and, and what it means to walk as a father and you're saying, well, I want to do that, but how do I do that? Listen, you walk as a godly father through first acknowledging that God is everything. We start with acknowledging that we are broken people who can't fix the world, who can't fix ourselves. We need a holy God to do something in us. I would say to help us, but usually when you say to help, it means you doing good and you need some assistance. No, we are dead, broken, jacked up, and God does all the reviving, brings us to life, and then says, now I'll keep filling you and give you a chance to walk with me. If you believe that, if you want to accept that Jesus died so that you could live and and walk in the power of the Holy Spirit so that you could look like Jesus, if you believe that, then we invite you first to pray this prayer with me. Lord, I believe you. I know I'm messed up and I need you. You are in control. 
You are powerful, so powerful that you died on the cross so I could have new life. Help me to live out this faith that you've given me in the power of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Hey, if you prayed that in your heart, if you like, no, I, I believe it. Some of them words, power of the Holy Spirit and stuff, I don't really understand all that, Pastor. All I know is I, I, love, I love Jesus and, and I want to live for him. Then that is, the, that is the beginning of new life. And you can take communion even today.